This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. He found a certain Jew named Aquila, a man of Pontus by race, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. He came to them, and because he practiced the same trade, he lived with them and worked, for by trade they were tent makers. All right, back to verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. This would have been about a 50-mile journey westward from Athens to reach Corinth. Corinth was a major crossroad city of the Roman Empire, much larger than Athens, with an estimated population at that time of around 200,000, plus a half million slaves, all packed into a small area between two oceans. Corinth was an important transit point for trade between Europe and Asia, and part of the Peloponnese Peninsula in Greece. It was located on the thin strip of land that separated the Saronic Gulf from the Gulf in Corinth. In order to save nearly 300 miles of sailing around the southern tip of the Peloponnese Peninsula, en route to Rome, and other places in Europe, Many vessels would choose rather to portage the nearly four miles on land westward to the Gulf of Corinth. The Diolkos, meaning portage machine, was a paved trackway near Corinth in ancient Greece that allowed boats to be moved over land across the Isthmus of Corinth, thus avoiding the long and dangerous circumnavigation of the Peloponnese Peninsula. As a hub for commerce and travel, Corinth was considered a wealthy city It was also well known for its hedonism, which was the ethical theory that pleasure, in the sense of the satisfaction of desires, is the highest good and proper aim of human life. Corinth had a bad reputation in the ancient world. To act like a Corinthian meant to fornicate. To say you had a Corinthian companion meant you had a prostitute. They were famous for their immorality, accentuated by their worship of Aphrodite, or also known as Venus, the Greek goddess of sexuality and fertility. Around 20 AD, Greek geographer Strabo wrote this report about Corinth. The temple of Aphrodite was once so rich that it had acquired more than a thousand prostitutes donated by both men and women to the service of the goddess. And because of them, the city used to be jam-packed and became wealthy. The ship captains would spend fortunes there. And so the proverb says, the voyage to Corinth isn't just for any man. Paul's stay in Corinth may have helped to inspire some of what he wrote in Romans chapter 1. It was in Corinth where Paul wrote the book of Romans. When you think of first century Corinth, consider Romans 1, for example, verses 22 to 28. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and traded the glory of the incorruptible God for the likeness of an image of corruptible man and of birds, four-footed animals, 
and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to uncleanness, that their bodies should be dishonored among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for their women changed the natural function into that which is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural function of the woman, burned in their lust toward one another, men doing what is inappropriate with men, and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Even as they refused to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not fitting. Or another place in Scripture, where we maybe get somewhat of a feel for Corinth's corrupting culture of immorality, would be Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. The pervasive culture had found its way into the church there, and perhaps even beyond what the Gentiles there would have permitted. Paul wrote, It's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality, as is not even named among the Gentiles, that one has his father's wife. You are arrogant and didn't mourn instead, that he who has done this deed might be removed from among you. Now Paul's visit to Corinth could have very well been strategic. Considering it was a hub for travel and commerce, a firmly established church there had the potential to impact lives all over the empire. Paul was always going where the people were. Let's keep reading. He found a certain Jew named Aquila, a man of Pontus by race, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. He came to them, and because he practiced the same trade, he lived with them and worked, for by trade there were ten makers. Paul runs into a man named Aquila. He was a Pontic Greek, a group indigenous to the region of Pontus in northeastern Anatolia, or Asia Minor, which would have been in modern-day Turkey. However, he and his wife had most recently come from the west in Italy. Aquila, with his wife Priscilla, had been among the Jews expelled from Rome by the Roman Emperor Claudius in the year 49, as written by the historian Suetonius. The story goes that Emperor Claudius expelled all Jews from Rome because of continued rioting over Christus, likely a Latinized Christus, or Messiah in Hebrew. A probable explanation is that Jews, who had been under the apostolic teaching in Jerusalem, had returned to Rome, bringing the message of Jesus as Messiah to the synagogues of Rome. It's possible Aquila and Priscilla were early followers of Jesus, maybe having heard the gospel as early as Pentecost. They could have been among these early Pentecost believers returned to Rome, proclaiming Christ among the Jews in the synagogues. Consider how the Jews consistently reacted to Paul's witnessing in the synagogues throughout the ancient world. No doubt the same kinds of upheaval could have been going on in Rome, resulting in the Jews' expulsion there. Bible commentator Bruce concluded that the expulsion had to do with, quote, dissension and disorder within the Jewish community of Rome, resulting from the introduction of Christianity 
into one or more of the synagogues of the city. End quote. Acts 18 verse 2 says Paul came to Aquila and Priscilla. It's not clear how or where exactly they met in Corinth. It's possible they ran into each other in a Jewish synagogue. They quickly hit it off, being of the same trade. Paul was from Tarsus, which was in the province of Cilicia. This region was famous for certain cloth product from goat's hair used for tent making. The cloth was actually named Cilicium, after its province of origin. We know during Paul's upbringing in Tarsus, he was trained under the tutelage of the famous Rabbi Gamaliel, giving Paul the credentials to preach in Jewish synagogues. But it was standard practice for Jewish rabbis to have learned a trade. Paul likely learned his trade in Tarsus and used it as needed to provide for his living while a missionary. Bible commentator Bruce wrote, In Jerusalem it was not considered proper for a scribe or a rabbi to receive payment for his teaching. So many of them practiced a trade in addition to their study and teaching of the law. Paul reflected such an attitude in his behavior at Corinth, willing to work side by side with Aquila and his wife Priscilla while he lived with them. In his first epistle to the Corinthians, Paul recognizes his right to receive financial support by those to whom he ministered while highlighting his preferred choice to offer the gospel free of charge. For example, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 13-18, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Shunned and rejected by men for our sins, and we hid our faces from Him. Acquainted with grief for our peace His wounds bring us healing But He knew who He was and why He'd come To fulfill the law His mercy covers all there is no
was no greater love from the Adams Road album Resurrected. I was living separated from your guidance and I thought that I was living in you I thought that I felt divine reassurance But I see now How detached that I was from what's true If I followed One part of the law Then all was bound to me One fault would sentence me To live away from you that I could never live so perfectly So you sent Jesus to my rescue And, and now your love is written on my heart Upon my heart, your 
grace is shown by faith in you We are not justified by works of the law And now I obey your word with my love anew And you forgive all my sins and wrongs And, and I found your life brings endless joy Lamp to My Feet from the Adams Road album Resurrected.
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 18, verses 3 through 5. Grace and peace be with you all.